2: Log Talk Radio.
3: Good.
1: loud by Frontliner and John Harris.
4: Sometimes I think I'm crazy, and sometimes I love my job. Sometimes I need to lie, but then sometimes I can't get hard. Sometimes I go to sleep at five, sometimes I need a part. But every time I go, I make sure I go stupid, fucking dumb. Feeling like I'm gonna float high, numb. Feel the music pumping, I go loud, hard, 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 loud, hard. Sometimes it's strictly business, but there's pleasures in the job. Sometimes it's fun to witness, going hard out in the mob. Sometimes I like to listen to the radio. Sometimes I love to be myself. Sometimes
5: on, or go on, or go on, well, it came to me while I was working sideways, yeah. rolling silverware thinking once my time oh, was, okay. before my thought could finish, my girl sent a text saying we should end it, initially didn't know what to feel, she said my, my plan to leave for California gave her questions, I took a deep breath, took down my chills, but the best of luck with St. Paul. see you in the next one. Press on, and that's one last back to pack Once it's time to hit the road, there's no looking back. Music is my mistress, Wiley is the magic hat. In Los Angeles is my spacecraft to crash. Just a waiter in a restaurant, dreaming. Letting his mind wander while he's cleaning. Working with the means of a blind
3: swordsman. I won't even see the light to know I'm closing in.
5: Done. So done. Can you stand still while your self esteem Wait Waiting the cold now for your future I sake. Am. There's no clean blade in making the clean break. So I pack no more than I need take because my demons have been calling out my name and I've been drifting like a ghost for so many winter days. That the outside in the inn is starting to feel the same. I'm banking on pennies from the sidewalk, cheap rain, lack of morality, impulse, bad tipping, and that trap with four wheels to get there. Never without those who click, sharing the kicks for Wiley and I to even stick here. The world's a hard and sinner, spinning out of spite. It came back the question of where to draw the finish line. So I close my eyes longer than I can afford it. I won't need to see it to know I'm moving toward it. Diamonds and diamonds
1: Today is Sunday. I mean, oops, Thursday. <laughs> Thanksgiving, and we're about to do accent tag based off the accent tag that's on uh, YouTube for everybody to share how they say certain words. I'll start out, and I have two other people who will be joining me and sharing <coughs> what they believe these words to spell. No. <laughs> okay, aunt.
0: Aunt, roof, aunt. Roof. Roof, roof. Route. root, route. Oil Oil Theater <laughs> <laughs> Oil. Theater Theater Iron 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 Salmon 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 Caramel 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 Fire 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 Water 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 Sure 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 Data Data
1: Data Ruin
0: Ruin Ruin. Canyon? Canyon. Canyon.
1: New Orleans?
0: New Orleans. New Orleans. Pecan? Pecan. Pecan. Both? (coughs) Both. Both.
1: Probably.
0: Probably. Probably.
1: Spitting image?
0: Spitting image. Spitting image. Lawyer? Lawyer. Lawyer. Alabama? Alabama. Alabama.
1: Coupon?
0: Coupon. Coupon.
1: <laughs> May- mayonnaise.
0: Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Syrup. Syrup. Syrup.
1: Pajamas.
0: Pajamas. Pajamas. Caught. Caught. Caught.
1: Naturally.
0: Naturally. Naturally. Aluminum. 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 Envelope. 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 Emu. 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 Ew!
1: <laughs> Voila, we are done. Come on in and share how you say those words, write them down like I did. Thank you. Bye.
6: (laughs) Baby, I'm about to blow up. I just thought you should know. I know you remember when I blown up. But then I'm gonna have to go. True genius, this implanted unknown.
1: Is Sandra London of LivingGrind.com and PlayTimeWithSandra.com. Uh, you heard "Loud" by Frontliner and John Harris, and then "A Second Devil" by Toussaint Saint and Accent Tag featuring Yours Truly, Scorpion, and Sir Megs. And after that, uh, da, 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 "Blown Up" by Stephane Uh I found a couple new songs, <coughs> excuse me, that I really like. And I uploaded them, but they're not appearing in the studio at the moment. So they may or may not be played this evening, but they will be coming very soon. One is like a blues song, and the other, I suppose it could be a blues song, but it's kind of like folksy, bluesy, rock, country, all in one in a way. Um, That artist is Daddy Long Legs. And for the first one, the blues is a Tard Brigade is the name for that artist. Um, Yeah. So as far as accent tag, speaking of words, um, I uh, I had my eyes examined for you know, vision, how well I can see, and, like, my left eye got worse, so it's, like, negative six. That's, like, really bad. <laughs> um, and I have myopia, which I always knew, nearsightedness, whatever, but I did not know. I'm also, what would you call it, I have astigmatism, so I'm, like, not great, but anyways, Um, I can see, I have my contact lenses, yay, I'm so excited by the things I've been able to see more clearly (laughs) Um, than I guess the past, I don't even know how long, like where I was just like, let me get my eyes checked again because, I don't know, I have a, a, what do you call it, channel box changer that has like this horribly fluorescent blue like for the time and like changing the channel and it, it bugs everyone so it's not just me. Uh, looking at it but that sort of is what uh initiated my call to my optometrist and ophthalmologist, la la la. But <laughs> <So>, yeah, um <laughs> that's horrible. But yay, so I'm happy to be seeing even more clearly than I had been before with my prior uh contact lens prescription. Voila. Um I will play right now. Uh in honor of the Great One, the greatest spider ever of all time, uh, the game, my reading of a an excerpt from the game written by Jack London. I do a small excerpt of that, and I will play that for you, and I will be back. The call number numbers is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. Three, three. Did I say his name, Muhammad Ali? <laughs> Just so on no one is confused. Yes. <sighs> He's having kind fun of in heaven right now. He's awesome. Okay, there you go. The Game by Jack London, Chapter 1. Many patterns of carpet lay rolled out before them on the floor of Brussels showed the beginning of their quest, and its ending in that direction, while a score of ingrains lured their eyes and prolonged the debate between desire pocketbook. The head of the department did them the honor of waiting upon themselves them himself, or did Joe the honor, as she well knew, for she had noted the open-mouthed awe of the elevator boy who brought them up. Nor had she been blind to the marked respect shown Joe by the urchins and groups of young fellows on corners when she walked with him in their own neighborhood down at the west end of the town. But the head of the department was called away to the telephone, and in her mind the splendid promise of the carpets and the irk of the pocketbook were thrust aside by a greater doubt and anxiety. But I don't see what you find to liken it, Joe she said softly, the note of insistence in her words betraying recent and unsatisfactory discussion. For a fleeting moment, a shadow darkened his boyish face, to be replaced by the glow of tenderness. He was only a boy, as she was only a girl, two young things on the threshold of life, house-renting and buying carpets together. What's the good of worrying, he questioned. It's the last go, the very last. He smiled at her, but she saw on his lips the unconscious and all that breathed sigh of renunciation and with the instinctive monopoly of woman for her mate. She feared this thing she did not understand and which gripped his life so strongly. You know, the go with O'Neal cleared the last payment on Mother's house, he went on. And that's off my mind. Now, this last, with Ponta will give me a hundred dollars in a bank. And even hundred. That's the purse. For you and me to start on. And this dig. She disregarded the money appeal. But you like it. This, this game, you call it. Why? He lacked speech expression. He expressed himself with his hands. At his work and with his body and the play of his muscles in the squared ring, but to tell with his own lips the charm of the squared ring was beyond him. Yet he essayed, and haltingly at first, to express what he felt and analyzed when playing the game at the supreme summit of existence. All I know, Genevieve, is that you feel good in the ring when you've got the man where you want him, when you've had a punch at both sleeves waiting for you, and you've never given given him an opening to land him. When you've landed your own little punch, and he's going groggy, and holding on, and the referee's dragging him off so you can go in and finish him, and all the house is shouting, and tearing itself loose, and you know you're the best man, and that you played him fair, and want him out, because you're the best man, I tell you. He ceased, brokenly, alarmed by his own volubility, and by Genevieve's look of alarm. As he talked, she had watched his face while fear dawned in her own. As he described the moment of moments to her, on his inward vision were lined the tottering man, the lights, the shouting house, and he swept out and away from her on this tide of life that was beyond her comprehension, menacing, irresistible, making her love pitiful and weak. The Joe she knew receded, faded became lost. The fresh, boyish face was gone. The tenderness of the eyes, the sweetness of the mouth with its curves and pictured corners. It was a man's face she saw, a face of steel, tense and immobile, a mouth of steel, the lips like the jaws of a trap, eyes of steel, dilated and tense, and the light in them and the glitter or the light and glitter of steel the face of a man, and she had known only his boy face. This face, she did not know at all. While it frightened her, she was vaguely stirred with pride in him, His masculinity, the masculinity of the fighting male, made its inevitable appeal to her, a female, molded by all her heredity to seek out the strong man for mates, and to lean against the wall of his strengths. She did not understand this force of his being that rose mightier than her love and laid its compulsion upon him, and yet in her woman's heart she was aware of the sweet pang which told her that for her sake, for love's own sake, he had surrendered to her, abandoned all that portion of his life, and that this one last fight would never fight again. Mrs. Silverstein doesn't like prize fighting, she said. She's down on it, and she knows something, too. He smiled indulgently, concealing a hurt and not altogether new at her persistent in appreciation of this side of his nature and life, in which he took the greatest pride. It was to him power and achievement, earned by his own effort and hard work. And in the moment when he had offered himself and all that he was to Genevieve, it was this and this alone that he was proudly conscious of laying at her feet. The merit of work performed, a garden of manhood finer and greater than any other man could offer, and it had been to him his justification and right to possess her. And she had not understood it then, as she did not understand it now, and he might well have wondered what else she found in him to make him worthy. Mrs. Silverstein is a dub, and a softy, and a knocker," he said good humoredly. "What she know about such things anyway? I tell you, it is good and healthy too. This last is an afterthought. Look at me. I tell you, I have to live clean to be in condition like this. I live cleaner than she does, or her old man, or anybody you know. Baths, rub downs, exercise, regular hours, good food, and no making a pig of myself." No drinking, no smoking, nothing that'll hurt me. Why, I live cleaner than you, Genevieve. Honest, I do, he hastened to add at sight of her shocked face. I don't mean water and soap, but look there. His hand closed reverently, but firmly, on her arm. Soft. You're all soft, all over. Not like mine. Here, feel this pressed the ends of her fingers, and to his hard arm muscles until she winced from the hurt. Hard all over just like that, he went on. Now that's what I call clean. Every bit of flesh and blood and muscle is clean right down to the bones. And they're clean, too. No soap and water only on the skin, but clean all the way in. I tell you, it feels clean. It knows it's clean itself. When I wake up in the morning and go to work, every drop of blood and the meat is shouting right out that it is clean, oh, I tell you. He paused with swift awkwardness, again confounded by his unwanted flow of speech. Never in his life had he been stirred to such utterance, and never in his life had there been cause to be so stirred, for it was the game that had been questioned, its verity and worth, the game itself the biggest thing in the world, or what had been the biggest thing in the world, until that chance afternoon and that chance purchase in Silverstein's candy store when Genevieve loomed suddenly colossal on his life, overshadowing all other things. He was beginning to see, though vaguely, the sharp conflict between woman and career, between a man's work in the world and a woman's need of the man, but he was not capable of generalization. He saw only the antagonism between the concrete flesh-and-blood Genevieve, and the great abstract living game. Each resented the other. Each claimed him. He was torn with the strife and yet drifted helpless on the currents of their contention. they quero to
4: Yeah, Swiffer I ain't go nowhere, nigga I've been plotting, scheming Late nights, daydreaming Uh, I see professional simplicity Not complicated, I like life just like a symphony Beautiful music, keep no company If it's misery Look, no bullshit in that's your missus. We got history But man, that's history Piss dirty, but I'm clean I smoke, nigga I got my lawyer working on some things She can lose her mind, but she gotta keep her knees She hit that gas that brought her up to speed And now we on the same level I like a bad bitch, might just get your ass in trouble I turn savage, I get it straight up off the hustle You know it, I got it going I heard you talking, now you gotta show it
1: And I'm your host, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com. Uh, you just heard my audio-recorded um, reading of, a, of an excerpt from The Game by Jack London. Um, and then <laughs> Amisa by Hall and uh, Like You Want It by a Baby. Okay, um, I'm going to play my... Erotic short story, Celeste, in just one moment, but I did want to give a shout-out to Jess out there in Chicago of Naked Girls Radio, a.k.a. New and Rhythms. Um, she had an accident um, that resulted in a blood clot, and so she was recuperating. So uh, if you're on my Facebook, um, just look for me, Sandra London. Um, uh, you should be able to see her or just look her up, Jessica or Jess Edwards. Of Naked Girls Radio, um, if you'd like to contribute to her recuperation, and also a friend of mine, Tina Renew, uh, in the Midwest, um, who wants to perfect her smile. So um, I will post both of those as a link within the next day or two on livinggrind.com, so you can follow along <laughs> with that. Um, that's Tina, Renu, T-I-N-A Renew, T-I-N-A-R-E-N-E-W. Uh, and let's see. the last thing is oh, with the eye exam. <laughs> okay, so they're like, look to the left. Okay, follow this. Look to the left as far as you can. Okay, look to the right as far as you can. And the doctor is like, oh my goodness, I'm like what? And he's like, geez, you have wide range with your like eyeballs or something <laughs> because I guess they would basically almost disappear when I would look to the furthest I could look left and the furthest I could look right. I'm like. Oh, my goodness, am I an alien? No. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's weird. I'm like, well, could it be because I'm hypermobile? Like the whole eller danlos where I can, like, I don't know if you've seen on my Twitter. It's twitter.com slash I'm Sandra London. But the two pictures that are usually in the be- like, like right there on, uh, on Twitter, on my page, are me doing, like, a praying thing, but behind my back and, like, twisting and contorting. Like, I can't do everything in the world that I've seen people do um, that are super limber, but I can do weird stuff like that. But anyways, long story short, he said, well, possibly, yeah, because, you know, it's like a connective tissue type of thing when you have, like, you know, rubbery, gummy (laughs) limbs, and apparently because there's some stuff in your eyes that are connected, like, I don't know, whatever, but there's a correlation with connective tissue, even all the way in your eyeball. (laughs) To I guess your sphere Your range Voila. <laughs> Anyways here you go Here is And I took pictures too um, Or friends of mine took pictures later For verification Maybe I'll post those I don't want to scare you though But whatever Just know I can do that <laughs> Voila Here you are Celeste But yours truly um, Or Oratio Obliga Is its formal Formal Title Oratio Obliga, in direct speech, a.k.a. Celeste, written by yours truly, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and PlaytimeSandra.com. Enjoy. Yesterday morning, or perhaps last night, Celeste will wake up dead. It will take quite some time before she will take note of this. Celeste will have just ventured out the evening before with her best friend forever, Ashlyn Jameson, to seek out a new restaurant and bar, Le Colisee. Dave will not appear too excited about this, and Celeste will worry that he may be upset by the time upon which she returns, especially if she should so happen to have spent far too much time catching up with her longtime friend, with whom she will have not seen in a little over an academic year. Ashland has been on a study abroad exchange of some sort, premised upon classical literature and ancient mythology, or something like this. Ashlyn's long-winded, bubbly digests are quite familiar to all. In fact, they register quite regularly as a CC All expose to her steady circulation of friends, as well as the many more recent admirers she will have gathered along the way. Mykonos, Athens, Barcelona, Catalonia, as Ashlyn has never failed to educate her fellow feathered ilk. All this, and even more, still. And yet, always, all the best parts divulged solely for Celeste's pervy perusal and private consumption. And so now, Celeste will be able to unearth even more, always more, about her darling girlfriend's heady endeavors and their lusty conclusion. Uh, For example, Tomás, the hunky, highly adroit Catalonian, with whom Ashley has only just memorialized a great escape to Venezia, a sweet but sordid escapade culminating with tentative, then turbulent, finger-filled dalliances, the tune of the silent symphony on the muddy waters of a midnight gondola ride. A tasty bon appétit, indeed, for El Senor, fanned beneath her popularly peasant skirt, and how Ashlyn would squirm, reliving how she would try her best to ignore the rocking and swaying of that small, floating apparatus so many millions of light years away from the crunchy granola of her more usual endives like Hendry's Beach off the Pacific coast, or a stolen moment of picnicking a la boom, on checkered gingham blankets, or were they Freddy's Burgers napkins? Ashley will have developed a learned disdain for those comparatively milder throes of passion, long gone and tossed out to sea amid the persistent flow of tides along the edges of humanity. Celeste is more than willing to subsume this all the while, emptying recollections of fuzzy, fading remnants of her own time's past, like losing her bonjour, regime to the Pacific coast in a newly naked embrace, her soaked front pockets bearing down, impeding resistance, reuniting with Donnie's T-shirt, their having become saddled with quarters, readied for a midnight sack of colorless, bra and panty laundry, and Donnie's short sleeves. All this, and salute to the elements, yet little more than a mere pittance to Mother Nature herself. But no, no. Celeste will quickly return to the seedy seat of novelty, smack dab in front row, where things were a lot less pedestrian. You see, Ashlyn was a lady in Europe, that being so, it was only polite, then, to allow her beau, Damas to have a gander at her prized and pretty pink possession, and unthinkable to lie concealed indelicately beneath some nondescript fabric of commodity. Ah, yes. Celeste will be most eager to relish all of these naughty delics abroad in real time. After all that she has devoured at length before her computer screen, things were going to get real. Celeste will reach out, compelled by her quest to fully expose those secret treasures of abandon and concert, she hoped, with her longtime beau. She has lived for the date of this reunion, it seems, and a lustful remixing of the familiar. The widening of Ashlyn's complicit, dazzling, hazel green eyes, her full breast thrusting forward out of habit as she embarks anew, weaving her delicious narrative to life. David will not know what hit him. Certainly, yes, Celeste has been yearning for this sort of gathering for much more than a fortnight, and now she wants to collect. Her attention will divert at moments upon the thought of Ashlyn's cheeks, which usually tend towards Rosie, when she is just about to spill the raciest of spoils, the impish dives, of Ashlyn's heart-shaped head as she lowers her gaze mid-sentence, the corners of her girlfriend's lips when they curl conspiratorially. Their interchange will commingle, as they often do, laced with sheepish smirks of self-censorship and bouts of sheer bemused embarrassment. False modesty will peel away as Ashlyn's hushed giggles tell all. Together, they will find it increasingly troublesome to fight back the tears of merriment. Time and again, they may attempt to stifle and compress Ashland's naughty narrative at irregular intervals, shielding themselves from spectators' wandering eyes and wondering ears. And, of course, the waiter will come near, making his proverbial rounds, mostly mid-bite, just like clockwork just to see if everything's all right and it will be and so very much more than all right. Celeste will encroach progressively as the night waxes on building upon each succulent recantation of her muse. Celeste will catalog all manner of happenstance this evening hoping to unleash her very own brand of sex magic just this once but precisely where And when she should, she will attempt to widen the circle just for one, or, well, her party of one. Ah, the sweet, unassuming, ever so devoted David. Now, ordinarily, Celeste would have had no difficulty casting forth a reasonable reproduction of her notorious pal's far flung charisma but her rehearsals were largely confined to solitary pursuit, mostly. Yet here, Celeste will assume certain studied positions on this once upon a night. It is a given that she will start out well enough. She will advance with all the more purpose between the unforeseen hours of this endless night. Celeste's impending desire will mount bit by bit eager to rejoice, relive, and suddenly give rise to a fait accompli. She races full speed ahead without regard for what could have otherwise resulted from certain derisive acts of jamais vu. Celeste will hasten to the destiny which stirs so immutably within, in spite of herself. By definition, Celeste had plenty of, well, practice gleaned from that steady stream of salacious digest, awash with the magnetic agony, ecstasy, and octane-laden discourse which spawns over easy from Randy Wildchild, Ashland. Celeste has been au for such a very long time. More often than not, perhaps, this feverish intoxication could have topped off, occasioning itself to die a warm, slow, heady little death until this one night her fantasies would have remained burrowed within the exclusive domain of private life slipping through solely during hidden unspecified stretches of time shrouded within and beneath her stark white bedroom linen finding their welcome respite peacefully atop Celeste's personal pleasure chamber normally she would have flicked it out pressing persistently with her tiny, finely-tuned digits, until she stopped. However, this time around, not so much. On this other day or night, something else will have come to pass instead, and rather remarkably so. And all because, and perhaps only because, at the culmination of this very grand soirée, and pleasure-filled reconnaissance, things really won't seem all that different. Not at first. And yet, after all this, somehow it all must cease to be, because Celeste will wake up dead.
2: En dónde cuando ven como llegaré.
0: down the stream
3: merrily 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 oh, oh, merrily down the stream merrily merrily oh, oh, merrily, merrily,
1: merrily merrily life is but a dream merrily down the stream merrily oh, 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 merrily 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 Hello all you sexy naked girls radio listeners have yourself